Well, good morning. How are you all? <clears throat> it's truly great to be here. Uh, I love this church. It's a very generous church, a church that supports not only Baptist World Aid but other missions uh, very well. And you might be surprised just how much support comes from this church to Baptist World Aid. It's in the tens of thousands of dollars, but more importantly than that, there's a whole bunch of prayer and other support that comes from this church for which I am very grateful. Um, now that I know that that's a vestibule out there, um, I'll do a little ad for the uh, table that's on, uh, on my right-hand side that's got all the mission, mission sort of stuff on it. You can spend money buying magazines that tell you all about what the Kardashians are doing. Don't waste your money. They're not doing anything important at all. Um, why not pick up some of the uh, mission magazines out there on that table and read what God is doing? Uh, a, it's free. You can get the magazines for free and it's much more important than what the Kardashians are doing. And particularly want to advertise brand new on, on your table today is the Be Change magazine from Baptist World Aid. Um, it uh, actually expands a little bit more about the uh, little booklets that uh, the Catalyst Group are going to give out uh, to you all later today. So encourage you to grab that. So, one of the big questions I get asked all the time uh, is, what's Baptist World Aid got to do with mission? What's Baptist World Aid got to do with the gospel? Where is the gospel in what we do? And I thought, this being May, being Mission Month, I might just look at that today and expand a little bit on where Baptist World Aid fits into the mission of God. Um, I should be able to do this just about with my eyes closed because for the last 10 years I've done a guest lecture at Malian College in their Missions Perspectives course and the uh, guest lecture I do is Aid and Development and World Mission. So it's one where uh, currently the lecturer there is Peter Francis. He gets me in to just cover that particular topic. It's an important question because somewhere in the 20th century we evangelicals somehow reduced mission, evangelism and the gospel to just being about words. There was a, you know, a couple of decades ago, if I asked people, what's the gospel? They would have whipped out their copy of the four spiritual laws you know, and said something like, God loves you and has a wonderful plan for your life as they read through the four spiritual laws. Now, four spiritual laws are a wonderful tool. A lot of people have come to Christ because of it. And I'm not downplaying that at all. But the thing is, the gospel and mission just being about words wasn't the way it always was. Christians over the centuries have had a holistic view of mission. Ministering to the whole person. Body, emotions, and spirit. Just to give you a couple of examples, back in the third century there was this huge plague that went through the, the, the world, the Roman world at the time. Christians were the only ones who were caring for the sick and that put them at risk of catching the plague themselves. Other people, pagans, used to throw their infected members of their families out into the streets even before they were dead. 
uh, even you know, to protect themselves from catching the disease. And those of you who know the movie Monty Python and the Holy Grail, remember that scene, you know, bring out your dead. But I'm not dead yet. For those who don't know, don't worry about it. <laughs> in this, in the, the acts of love that these Christians had by caring for the people with the plague, uh, drew the attention of the world. You see, in the first few centuries of the Christian church, there were very few organised missionary or evangelism programs. They went out and loved the world. And in the process, the church grew rapidly throughout the world, just like Jesus said it would. The church fed widows, and not just Christian widows, They fed the pagan widows as well. In fact, one of the Caesars lamented the fact that these Christians not only feed their own widows, but they feed ours as well. Hospitals, ambulances, schools, all owe their foundations to Christianity. William Wilberforce and his friends uh, put an end to the African slave trade. Lord Shaftesbury got the children out of the mills Uh, Sunday schools were set up, not like we have Sunday school today, but they were set up so that children working in the mills could actually learn and get an education. That's where David Livingstone got his education. And here in Australia, if you've got a $20 note and take your $20 note out, you'll see a picture of uh, Reverend John Flynn, uh, the founder of the Royal Flying Doctor Service. See, word and deed together have been part of God's mission for over 2,000 years. We've just had 1 Corinthians 12, 12 onwards read out to us. Now I know you as a church know all about this passage because as I've heard the announcements being read and as I've heard seeing things in this church, I've seen 1 Corinthians 12 in this church in action. So I'm not telling you something you don't already know. I'm just reminding you, uh, encouraging you, Uh, about what is happening here. See, we all know that the church is the body of Christ. We all know that. And we all know that the various parts of the body have to work together for it to function. We also know that if the church was in an Olympic event, we would probably sometimes be in the disabled Olympics, not in the able-bodied Olympics. Because not all the bits actually work together well. We know that too. So we can always do a little bit better. Now, as we read 1 Corinthians 12, this part here, Paul labours the point, doesn't he? He doesn't just say we're all, you know, we're all different parts of the body, so get on and do it, do it well. He labours the point, you know. He labours, goes on about, well, if the eye is not an ear, that doesn't make it any less part of the body. And if, you know, if we, the whole body was all, all an eye, where would the smell be? Yeah, he, he labours the point. He goes on and on and on. Uh, and you're saying, come on, Paul, get to your, get to the point. Why? Well, a couple of reasons. One, He labours the point because certain people who have been gifted by God uh, with certain skills uh, can be prone to pride and think that their gifting and their part is more important than everybody else. 
So Paul is attacking the pride part, saying that just because one person is gifted differently to the, uh, somebody else doesn't make them more important. And he's also doing the opposite. Because there are some of us who might think, well, I'm only gifted for so-and-so, therefore I'm not very important around here. And Paul is pointing out that that's not true either. Each one of you is important. But there's a third thing going on here, because the church in Corinth was in Greece. Uh, Greek pagan philosophy said that the spirit was all that was important and the body wasn't important. And we here in the West have been adversely affected by Greek culture over the years. I mean, there's a lot of good stuff. We get democracy out of the, out of the ancient Greek culture. We get all of those good things. But this whole idea of compartmentalising our lives comes from Greek culture. You know, where we do, you know, where things don't overlap. That's not the way it is with most cultures. Most cultures, there is no separation between the physical and the spiritual. It's all intertwined. But we in the West, for we, you know, for, and Greek culture brings that to us, we separate things. And hence we sometimes get the idea that mission and the gospel is about word and the other stuff doesn't matter. And that's not what Paul's saying here. Paul's saying that it all matters, it all works together. Now we do know there are some parts of the body that uh, we don't even think about, the physical body. Now the reason I wear these things is because I've got diverticulitis. And because I'm driving a lot and because I'm sitting behind a desk a lot, if I wear a belt, it presses in against the innermost parts of my body and causes a great deal of pain, including wind pain, which is uh, sometimes very embarrassing to try and get rid of. And I find wearing the braces puts a whole lot less pressure on those parts of my body. Now... It's not often that you get to talk about your bowels up in front at church. <laughs> in fact, most of us don't even think about those parts of our bodies or our kidneys. None of you woke up this morning and think, oh, my spleen's doing very well this morning. We only think about them when they don't work right. We only think about them when they misbehave. And that can be parts like parts of our, the, you know, the body of Christ as well. We only think about them when they aren't doing their part. And oftentimes we completely overlook them when they're doing their parts in, in the back. If you liken Baptist World Aid to the hand and the spoken word to the tongue, just because the hand doesn't have a tongue doesn't mean it doesn't contribute to the mission of God. Things like administration, cleaning, mowing the grass, all are important parts to contributing to the body of Christ, particularly here in this church. And it all needs to work together. When one part suffers, all parts suffer. I remember... The first Sunday uh, of my first Sunday I preached as part of 
when I became a pastor. The very first Sunday, I was up in Mossman, far north Queensland, and the person who normally fills the little glasses with grape juice wasn't there. And so I said to myself, how hard can this be? I'll I'll fill up the little glasses. If you have ever tried to take a two-litre bottle of grape juice and fill up little glasses out of it, you will know that more goes on the, more falls into the sink than goes into the little glasses. It's not as easy as it looks. And I had a whole new appreciation uh, for the people who fill up the little glasses. Um, I know there's little, they've got little things for it now, you know, the little, little tools to do it, but there are a whole bunch of things like that that are important parts of our ministry. It was great to hear what was happening for the family fun day. Because family fun day, I think, is going to be a brilliant example of what it is like for the body of Christ to work together to bring things about. There's going to be a whole bunch of people who do things for your family fun day that won't be noticed. They'll be doing things in the background. They'll be preparing things. And the whole bunch of other people who will be noticed uh, but, you know, to, for it to work, to, for it to be great, it needs to be um, a whole body working together. Now, all of this, of course, is prefaced by the fact that we're all gifted by the Holy Spirit. We don't go out and do things because we think it's a good idea. We're gifted by the Holy Spirit. We do what God encourages us and helps us to do, but we do it together. Just a one, uh, one little example. That guy there, his name is Niraj. Uh, Niraj is a grandson of one of the very first Christians ever in Nepal. In 19, up till 1953, there were no Christians at all in Nepal. There were a few Nepali Christians, but they had to, they were exiles. They had to live in India. Um, these few Nepali Christians just over the, on the Indian side of the Nepali border, they became Christians because two English ladies went and set up a ministry to Nepali workers who came to and fro across the border. They set up a dispensary and they used to help Nepali workers, uh, as they came backwards and forwards. They didn't have, the Nepalis didn't have to attend a Bible study. They didn't have to do anything like that. They were just helped unconditionally. And then in 1953, uh, missionaries were allowed to go into Nepal. And so these few Nepali Christians, along with these couple of ladies, went into Nepal and set up uh, what was the forerunner of International Nepal Fellowship, uh, one of our partners in Nepal. What happens now is two INF workers will move into a Hindu community, build relationships and then help the community use their own resources and own talents to lift themselves out of poverty. It's about building relationships with this community. This is what one thing I really love about Baptist World Aid. A lot of our partners around the world, it's not about people coming to the church it's about church going out into places that have never even had, some of you know, some places where they've never even met a Christian, going out into brand new places. 
Now, that's not saying that uh, mission agencies where you come to the church to get help is invalid. It's just a different part of the body doing things in a different way. But there's one thing I like about Baptist World Aid. Is we're going out into brand new territory where there has never been Christianity before. And as these INF workers, they build relationships with people. And it doesn't take long for people to ask the question, why are you doing this for us? And then out of relationship, they're able to share the gospel. Now, sometimes a small group of Christ followers will be established then, and then there'll be a little little group then. But other times, a pastor or a Christian worker will follow the INF workers into, into the town and then establish the church. Um, uh, that guy there, he is... Uh, the pastor of this little town that we visited. Uh, he moved into town and he has established a small church there. He actually pastors two churches. Uh, so in the morning he preaches at his church there on a, on a Saturday morning because Sunday's a normal work day in Nepal. And then he gets on his push bike, rides three hours and pastors another church and uh, then comes on home on a Saturday. So... Yeah, the church is growing here in Nepal because people are being loved unconditionally. Uh, 1953, there were a handful of Christians. Today, there's somewhere between half a million and a million Christians across the country because the Christians have shown unconditional love to one another. Uh, the other two guys you can see in the photo there, the young, the young guy sitting on the back, uh, he's a uni student. He goes to Niraj's church, the very first church that was ever established in Nepal, and he is exploring what God has to do, has for him to do and where he fits into the body of Christ. Um, and then the, uh, the guy that's looking disinterested uh, there, he's not actually, he's actually a really great guy. He's one of the leaders of uh, the INF depot at a town called Nepalganj. Uh, Nepalganj is not a nice city. Uh, it's right on the Indian border. It's only about 70 metres above sea level. Uh, it's got the best of both worlds. In summer, it is stinking hot. And in winter, it's freezing cold. A bit like Ipswich, really. <laughs> now, I can say that I was born in Ipswich, so I grew up in Ipswich, so I know, know about Ipswich. Now, when you look at the connection between an agency like International Nepal Fellowship and the Gospel... You can see the connection. You can see how Christian workers are going out and loving unconditionally and then sharing the gospel. You can see the connection. But how about the crazy catalyst group here in this church? Where's the connection between what those guys are doing and the gospel of Jesus Christ? You see, the catalyst group does what it does because of the command to love your neighbour as you love yourself. The person who made my shirt is my neighbour. The person who picked the cocoa that goes into my uh, chocolate, I probably actually should say uh, the uh, coffee beans that goes into my coffee because that's probably my my greater love. Uh, when I stopped, uh, I stopped for a coffee this morning and there was a sign on the wall that said, uh, money doesn't buy happiness, uh, but coffee nearly gets there. I do enjoy my coffee. 
somewhere in Pakistan and India today. There'll be children stitching uh, balls, soccer balls, footballs, because they've got nimble fingers. And for that, they might get a whole seven cents because to stitch a ball. A ball that will be sold for 50 bucks here in Australia. Where's the justice in that? These are our neighbours. And that's why the Catalyst Group does what it does, because we are called to love our neighbour as ourself. There's the ethical issue about what the Catalyst Group does. Do I have slaves working for me? Well, they might not be directly working for me, but if they're making the stuff that I have, I do have slaves working for me. And I'm very uncomfortable about the possibility of slaves working for me. But still, how does that contribute to the gospel and the uh, the mission of Jesus Christ? Well, it does contribute in the broader sense. Certainly, as we love our neighbours, as we're seen to be loving our neighbours, it contributes. But there has been some unexpected consequences of what catalyst groups around the country have done. Um, You see, things like this consumerism is like a modern-day plague. It is hurting lots of people around the world as we consume more and more and more and more. We consume. But there's been one other interesting unexpected consequence. A number of people have taken the fashion guide and electronics guide to work and just to, you know, just share, share them around at work. And the funny thing is, people are saying, I didn't think you Baptists were into this sort of thing. And they've been used as great discussion starters in, in, in workplaces around the place, which is fantastic. It's great to see uh, that these things do indeed happen. Uh, oh, we weren't expecting that. We weren't, didn't set it up for that sort of thing to happen. But they are good, you know, have been working out as good discussion starters in workplaces. One more little story. This is a story that... Um, it's a, it's a bit of a combination story. It's based on reality, but it's based on rea- two, re- two realities, actually, that are sort of I've brought together. Um, I'm currently a member at Stafford Heights Church. Now, Stafford Heights claim me as a member. They never see me, but they claim me as a member. And the first church I pastored was up at Mossman. So I'm taking a couple of episodes and sort of joining them together to make, a, make, a, make another story. Um, this is a guy named George. Uh, George is a very practical guy. He's just one of those lovely guys to have around. Very encouraging guy. And uh, his neighbour, he's always he gets on very well with his neighbour. His neighbour doesn't go to church. His neighbour's not a Christian. But he's always over there helping him out. Uh, they're doing things together. They sit down, have a cup of coffee together. Um, and they get on very well. Uh, now, George's neighbour knows that George goes to church, but they never really talk very deeply about the whole spiritual things. It came about that uh, George's neighbour got retrenched, lost his job, and uh, things got financially a little bit, little bit hard for George's neighbour. So George says to his neighbour, on Tuesday, why don't you come with me 
down to down to church. We've got a thrift shop there. We've got a food mart there. We, you'll be able to get you know get some stuff from our food mart, and you know it'll just help you out a little bit. So George takes uh, his neighbour down to the uh, down to the thrift shop into the food mart, and there he meets uh, Graham. Graham's a retired pastor. Graham is just one of those people that you cannot get angry with. He's just got that lovely smile on his face. He's got that lovely disposition. You start talking to Graham and next thing you know, you're his best friend. You know, everybody is Graham's best friend. And in the process, um, George's neighbour finds that the roof doesn't fall in on him as he goes to church and he actually finds that these Christians are nice people. He still hasn't become a Christian, but he's getting there. Then he sees that uh, the church has got a men's shed. He says, oh, that sounds like a bit of fun. So he goes along to the men's shed and starts building relationships with people at the men's shed too. Still hasn't become a Christian. And then he, gets, uh, he finally gets a, a new job. And part of the new job, he has to get on a plane, go to the head office uh, for, for you know, his induction into the, an orientation into the new job. He sits down beside Helen. Helen is one of those people that God... God brings people to all the time. People who are just ready to hear the gospel and accept Jesus as saviour. I've got no idea how Helen does it, but there's people falling over themselves to become Christians every time she opens her mouth. You know, she's just one of those people. She's fantastic. And so Helen sits, you know, George's neighbour sits down beside Helen and before the flight's over, uh, George's neighbour becomes a Christian. Who was responsible? I know the Holy Spirit was responsible. But who was responsible, uh, humanly speaking, for George's neighbour becoming a Christian? Was it Helen because she got the, she got the final, the final bit? Was it George? Was it Graham? Was it the guys at the men's shed? Well, in fact, it's all of them. They all paid their part. It was the body of Christ working together who brought George's neighbour to Christ Jesus. Sometimes we overemphasise the Helens of this world and underemphasise the Georges of this world, where they are all important. So is mission Word? Well, yes it is, but it's more than that. Is mission deed? Well, yes it is, but that's not the whole story. Is mission praying? Is mission supplying finance? Yes, but that's not the whole story too. Mission, the gospel, is the whole body each doing what they're gifted to do to bring people to a place where they can accept Jesus Christ as Saviour. Where we as the church go offline is where we concentrate on one bit and forget all the other bits of the body. Mission is about the whole body working together for the glory of God our Saviour. Let's pray. Uh, Father in heaven, as we come here today, uh, nothing that we've uh, heard from you today is rocket science. We know it all. 
Yet, Lord, sometimes we do forget. We feel, you know, sometimes some of us feel unimportant because we don't have a very upfront ministry. Some of us feel like we're, you know, that uh, sometimes we can be tempted to feel that our bit's more important. But, Lord, we know that uh, you are, in fact, the one who is in charge of all things. And at the end of the day, none of our giftings um, are really all that important compared to uh, what you supply and do through us. So, Lord, we just pray that you would help us to have a realistic uh, understanding of what we are. And, Father, I pray that we would look look at others within the body with gratitude and love because we know that they are important to the mission of God as well. So, Father, as we... Um, leave this place as we do our work together, as we, uh, as we become the body of Christ in this place. I pray that indeed we would uh, appreciate each other, we would work together, and that we would glorify you uh, for the results that happen. And we ask all of these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks, Andy.